0: Portland, this is Tevin. And this is Jalen. Next week on Combined Culture Radio, tune in for an exclusive listening experience. We are Portland's native Kobe, premiering his new album Escalate with me. That's an exclusive opportunity to lean in on Kobe on CC Radio at 7pm on Wednesday, November 28th, only on KBOO. Mm. I on to right away. Don't have to find a way. Get out my way. Bad days, yeah, don't care what you say, yeah, I'm making better plays, you know I make welcome This morning feeling like I needed to. Hi, I'm J.J. Johnson, host of the Gospel and More program, Sundays from 6 to 8 a.m. We are collecting yarn to make wool caps for the homeless community. Drop off yarn and caps at KBOO, 20 Southeast 8th, Monday through Fridays, 9 to 5. We are also looking for knitters. For more information, contact KBOO Gospel and More at gmail.com, or go to kboo.fm/gospelandmore. The yarn and cap drive will end. January the 31st. This is
1: KBOO Portland. All right, welcome to KBOO's Poetry and Everything. I'm Judith Arcana, your host. KBOO Community Radio is in Portland, Oregon, USA, and you, you could be anywhere on this planet Buenos Aires, Gary, Indiana, Cairo, Dubrovnik, Overton on D, listening. Each month, we have guests who are poets, poets from nearby and far away, and every now and then, folks who are not poets, all of us, though, reading and talking about poetry and everything. We generally open with the host, me, reading a bit of my own work, then the guest and I read work by other poets. This time, I'm going to read for the bit of my own work, a poem called Lois, Questions. And it actually opens with a line from the late Jane Cooper, one of our wonderful USA poets. Jane wrote, suppose we could telephone the dead. What's it like out where you are? Is it anything we make up, alive and imagining? Is it something I can know? or so much not what we think. I won't know, even if you tell me. Is it forever? Is it like religion says? Do you laugh? Is there music? Is there eating? Sleeping? And if you sleep, do you dream? Do you have work? Are the dead a good audience? Do they get it? Can you go where you want? Or is death organized by time and geography, like living? Can you fly? Can you see me? Are you coming back? Will you come home to the prairie where you used to be, or go somewhere else and live in another language? Will you be someone else, a wolverine or a stalk of corn? You might be tomatoes or apples or spinach on Steve's farm. Do you still have cancer when you're dead? Or does it go away after it kills you? Are you angry? Or is there peace in death? What is peace? Can you tell me? That one's dedicated to the late, great Lois Nowicki. All right, so there's your opening act, folks. Now I'm going to introduce this evening's guest. Tim Witzel believes in the power of dogwood blossoms. He may have migrated west on a solitary bicycle at the age of 19. He remembers the cheekbones of the first girl he kissed. Tim has not published these notions, but he did win first prize at the 2013 Northwest Poets Concord. His book, We Say Ourselves, appeared in 2012, and Early Press published his collection Wish Meal in 2016. Welcome, Tim.
0: Thank you. Good to be here.
1: Good to have you on the show. So in our reading from other people's work, tell us who you've brought.
0: I've brought uh, a young poet and uh, a recently uh, passed poet. All right. And I think I'll start with uh, the young feller. Okay. Um, he's Brandon uh, Kreitler, and he won the Poetry Society of America uh, Chapbook Award back in uh, 2000. Uh, Sixteen, I think the book came out in seventeen, mm-hmm. and he and I were at uh, Playa uh, uh-huh. doing an artist oh, residency. That's how you know him. Um, uh-huh. So I'm going to read a poem of Brandon's called "Working at Walmart." All right. The checkout girls don't give it up so easy anymore, and seem to be growing in their sense that this place despite its efforts is not sequestered and free of consequence i stand only to lose from such revelations but going to the in-store mcdonald's still counts as going somewhere else and i get the sense that jenny the greeter thinks i'm one of her dozen grandchildren i i wouldn't tell her otherwise I've tried every delight offered and have boxes to show for it. My floating walks have become aimless. Yesterday, I saw a guy lying prostrate in electronics before a bank of TV screens on which the populace yearns to be singers. In these moments, it's hard not to feel good about what we offer, an unbroken chain of indistinguishable days and unassuming totalness of things. The easing of the sense that out there, America means having your heart broken by your heart. Someone has gotten control of the loudspeaker and it squeals. The thin filament of music is gone. A baby left for a moment in the center aisle cries like a small animal alone in the pale floodlight. In the pull of that hunger, forbidden language, I feel again the soft husk of my body, and everyone is kind of looking around, half surprised by shadow. Nice. nice. Brandon Kreitler.
1: Thank you. And you have another one, The Elder.
0: Yes, and uh, this is a po- poet who worked on for quite some time in Oregon and I believe won the Oregon Book Award for one of his earlier volumes this is one of his final books of poems the poet is Tom Crawford and it comes from his collection called Caging the Robin
1: Caging the Robin yes All right.
0: and uh, I'll just begin because the, the, the title is part of the poem He writes an awful lot about birds and bird watching. In lieu of a skin tightener, which you already know will not delay your departure, I'd like to recommend you take up bird watching. What's loose, after all, is natural. And creams, gel, and Botox are no match for gravity when birds take hold and they will beauty always does you'll be reading Audubon and going all dressed down to bird festivals it only takes one bird to turn us around maybe not intended but the spotter scope really magnifies both bird and birder bringing love into focus waiting birds are my weakness I forget myself so easily with just one glimpse of the little blue heron alone working the edge of the water along a mud flat
1: oh nice two really good choices thank you and I had not um, heard or read either of those poems so little gifts for me thank you so much um, the heron the heron Reminded me, even though it's a different style of heron, there's a heron who comes to the Chinese garden here in Portland to fish. <laughs> and I learned this from the staff because I saw this bird and he was so still. I thought it was, you know, a decoration, I thought it was sculpture, and then suddenly uh, the movement. And I was chatting with one of the women who works there and she said, Oh, yes, we've decided to just let it happen the depletion of the fish population the beauty of the bird though you know you can't uh, can't deny the beauty of the bird and the bird's movement well anyway all right sorry folks just uh, back to the show now. okay um, well the one that I chose um, a little topical because here we are in the November show um, I chose a poem by Alex Dimitrov called the Moon after Election Day. I'm looking at the moon tonight, the closest it's been to Earth since 1948, and I feel relieved we can do little to ruin it. That can't be true, you say. And for a moment, even the moon's loneliness escapes isolation and depends on something else. It's attached, like us and what we abandon us and the evil we refuse. The same evil we share history with, the thin membrane between you or me and the worst of life. It's already past midnight and another election is over in the United States of America. The oceans will not continue into infinity, nor will our money, nor will this suffering. We have voted and proven again we do not know one another. I am trying so hard to understand this country. I tell you, even as I'm about to fail loving you, I know this, in the way people need to be loved, which is without deception, which is almost impossible. Don't you love it, though, you say? And I remember the first time I saw you in a room without anyone else. Don't you love the moon? And because it's easy to say it, I do. I make sure to tell you, I do. Despite the news I knew years ago, no one saves anyone we're on the moon wow. he, isn't that great <laughs> he wrote this um uh after the 2016 election but i thought for the midterms oh, why wow. not and, yeah. yeah yeah okay all right folks no well, disclaimers
0: required <laughs> really
1: really um well, first of all, I I will say the call letters, KBOO, Portland Community Radio. That's what you're listening to, folks. And this is Poetry and Everything. And I'm Judith Arcana, and tonight's guest is Tim Witzel. And now he's going to give us a reading of his poetry. So you're up. Read to us, please, and thank you.
0: I'm going to start with a a couple poems from my book, Wish Meal, that came out from Early Press back in October of 2016. Since it's Veterans Day, I'm going to read a poem that I wrote for my father who served uh, in Japan and the Philippines during World War II. And this is from a photograph of him in Japan during uh, the aftermath of the war, the Army of Occupation. It's called Nagoya, April 1947. Mm. You resist tears as cherry blossoms carpet stone walkways with loss, the hues of akebono, shirofugan, kwanzan trees. You imagine pale kimonos incandescing in cedar wardrobes. Six thousand tons of incendiary bombs, crushed aircraft factories, docks, ignited homes. You observe gaunt widows relieved, overcome in surrender. You have seen so many bodies. I see your farm boy hands cupped as starving arborists salvage form from these living remnants of imperial splendor. I do not see you holding fertile flowers but these ravaged silks of spring. Your hands listen as if they might hear. Mm. My father worked in the landscape and horticultural trade for many, many years, and I think part of that uh, seed got planted when he was in Japan, and he he would visit these gardens that still existed as oh, a place yeah. of of peace and uh, shelter.
1: And um, also, they are such. You know, the nation is known for its gardening, exactly, and horticulture. Yeah.
0: And I will follow that with a uh, more recent poem uh, that references our conflicts in uh, Iraq and, and in Syria.
1: Another landscape.
0: Yeah. It's called Soil Horizon. A backpack IED in Kirkuk. Carbom and Idlib. This morning on the black soil of Alabama or across the sands of Abilene, on Duff in Illinois, a mother is weeping for her lost child. We do not know how to sit or kneel in the twin shadows of unreconciled loss. Babel collapses into one horizontal dark. We sigh in airport inspection lines and swallow hard cinching our seat belts in row 38 of the 747. On the leaf scotched sidewalk of an Ivy League, a daughter holding a worn photo in that clench between her throat and tongue grieves her special forces father, cleft by a shoulder-launched rocket in Balabaluk, Our redstone arsenal produced the M-72. Hmm. Show yeah. me a borderless belief, an unsoiled field. There is no conflagration to backfire this scorch. Something a little lighter, called Sanctuary, but it has birds in it too. Now so let's there's hear it the, for the there's, birds. there's the connection. <laughs> and I wrote it uh, after I'd I'd been writing or reading uh, the the Chinese poet Du Fu
1: hmm.
0: called Sanctuary. Oh, and the, there's two references to. Uh, Sounds made by uh, finches. Fink, fink, and, uh, and by doves. Uh, coo. And you'll hear that uh, towards the end of what, what's really a fairly short poem. Sanctuary. No use for gates where deer own lawns and roses lean their offerings down to rabbits or derricking wild turkeys. A clearing chicken hutch lodged in the ventricle of dusk. Up the slope, looming firs, fine maple, an invisible cabin where one refugee learns the abacus of fink-fink and coos. Ten thousand phantoms rise in the trivial flock. Even Dufu would lift his brush re-ink before drawing this absence.
1: Uh, derricking, what a brilliant verb.
0: We have so lots of cool. lots of wild turkeys that uh, you know apparently somebody brought in because they wanted to be able to hunt turkeys and they've
1: uh, and now
0: They've naturalized. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll read another another some somewhat dystopic poem, but you know it, it obtains. You know, there's what four or is it five fires burning in in California as we speak A- in the middle of November?
1: Right, as we're making this show, we're recording it for you folks, giving you the exact moments. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes.
0: It's called threading our eyelashes with hunger. Mm. There is no fire for the tribal ceremony. Everything spare has already been burned. We lift our hoods on waves of chant. We imbricate our nights with laments. There is no wind for the tribal voyage. Every headway has already been throttled. We lift bands on rumor, on undercurrents. We infect the predons with soliloquies and gambits. There is no water for tribal cleansing. Everything clear has already been sullied. We ladle our ewers with the album of tears. We vaccinate the clouds with futilities. There is no earth for the tribal garden. Everything... Fertile has already been exhausted. We ladle our dry coughs onto rocks. In fields of fly ash, we inject our seeds hmm. of craving. Hmm. I said I wouldn't read it, but these poems seem like they're going faster than I anticipated. <laughs> so Judith has heard this when I read it alongside her. And I liked it. I liked it. At, the, liked at, it. The, at, the, at the, the market out, the Saturday market out east. Yeah. And lint? what's it called? Lent's Lentz. The Lent's Farmer's the Market. The Lent's Farmer's this past Market. This summer. Yeah. And it is called... Uh, a Valentine Revised and the poem actually is in the current issue of Cirque Magazine out of um, out of Alaska. wonderfully yeah,
1: wonderful beautiful
0: magazine. magazine. Absolutely. Um, and it is called A Valentine Revised and it begins uh, with an epigraph from uh, President Reagan from his uh, last fireside chat and <laughs> it's such a shock because uh, I, I'm... I did not vote for him.
1: We do not think of him in these terms.
0: Except, here it is, A Valentine Revised. She's still a beacon for all the pilgrims from all the lost places who are hurtling through the darkness toward home. Let your nay be nay. Nay. Let your skyscrapers fold the macaroon light. Let renowned boardwalks drown in rising seas. Let your apples be las manzanas. Get your credit swapped down in the Caymans. Get a second term DNC in Sweden. Get your Kalashnikov at a Lubbock gun show. Get the hence Satan bet your ganglia and bong sanctities bet your desert spa purges bet on white privilege to ignore bet your sweet ass set your sights on the kingdom of spin set minority children adrift in rank and file set boundaries on income disparity some other time reset this shining city on a hill. Set a tripwire on illegals. Bet your nighttime drone assaults. Get your carbon cap and trade easy in a three day course. Let the big quake come. Let your beacon get your freedom. Bet you're hurtling through the darkness, setting a course. To a crazed torch, the haunted magnet for all who must come.
1: Mm. Wow, we don't usually think of that torch as crazed, do we? Yeah, wow. That's a good set of words you made there, sir. Thank you. Continue, please.
0: I'm going to read a November poem. Oh, right uh, on time. Happened to be something that, that occurred often when I visited my in-laws. Uh, we'd drive up. Uh, they lived up on the, the Olympic Peninsula, um, just off the Sound, off of um, Hood Canal. Mm-hmm. And um, the valley they lived in was prone to flood. And you'll pick that up very quickly. Um so we often drove through the water over the road on uh-huh. uh, on, on the way to uh, Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It's called Ahead, and it's a recent poem from uh, April of this year. Ahead. Salmon hustle across the road in the flood, serpentine, frenzied as roosters. If we break at the other side of this impromptu river, What should we endeavor? To herd the creatures back into desperate confusion or on to a summer field? Let their row be delivered where chance allows. Let eagles spired in cottonwoods rejoice with high-pitched calls as the dying are sequestered. Other headlights now scallop trinket-sized windows on the wonders of three days rain in rows of sweet corn pioneers never dream to savor between ripe huckleberries and autumn darkness next summer maize will honey the air will swell lifting pink rot Oh. <sighs> All right. Another way to think about those fish heads and corn, I guess. Really?
1: <laughs> no, but also, the whole, I mean, the opener, thinking of salmon hustling, you know, that across the road. That is because, of course, they're not supposed to be on the road to not begin with. To be so on they on have an unusual nope, verb for salmon, uh, yeah. you know. Super cool. Yeah. Okay. What else you got? We uh, have a couple more minutes, so... For the reading part, I mean. All
0: right, uh, this is a, a recent poem uh, set up in Alaska. Okay. And uh, of course, uh, as a as a lower forty eight er, I visited in the summer, and I, I had to get educated as to why you don't see often, at least the uh, the aurora borealis um, in the summer. Hmm. It's called Stream, and it's for uh, one of my friends who lives there. Well, yours up in Anchorage, uh, Richard McLean Stream. The aurora borealis blaze all year, but go out in the early dark, the steady cold to be taken by their shimmer. Sockeye swimming scarlet into the throats of glacial turquoise lifted all the color summer could expend in thrashing gulps. Now spruce logs bundled in the boom, bump like concentration camp arrivals, Hmm. passing secrets in the tidewater mist. Autumn equinox, and every night death barbs the periphery, eliciting ghost eels overhead, blinding traders to the pole star streams have been depleted of easy luster fewer treasures to dynamite or net ice fields snake the entire northern sky
1: alright well thank you thank you very much indeed uh, a pleasure listening to you read your stuff Now we're going to talk.
0: Oh, boy. We're going to talk. Unscripted.
1: Right. No poetry. Well, maybe (laughs) we'll be poetic, folks. Let's see what happens. Um, All right. One of my um, classic questions for guests on this show. Um, Did you read or listen to poetry when you were growing up? Was that part of your childhood?
0: No. I don't. Well, no. (laughs) I mean, when I say no, that's pretty much true. Uh-huh. The, uh, I grew up in northern Indiana, and uh, I think one of the few books of poetry that were probably in the house were uh, the collected works of James Whitcomb Riley. <laughs> uh huh. Well, all right. <laughs> so I. I Local I mean,
1: Poet Makes Good and all right. that. That's yeah, right, yeah. A
0: lot of rhyme poetry and a lot of narrative uh, uh-huh. storytelling kinds of poems. Yeah. Um, but mostly I started writing, I think, when I was in high school.
1: Uh, that was the actually. The kind of thing
0: that a shy boy does when he can never think of the right thing to say Uh to the right girl in the hallway and Uh has to write it down later Uh
1: okay well that was actually going to be not about the hallway but um, my next question when did you begin to write and did you think then high school or thereabouts um, of what you were doing as being a writer when you were writing that stuff?
0: Certainly not in high school. I think by the time I was nearing my under, the end of my undergraduate, I, I began to think of myself as somebody who was a writer. Uh-huh. Um, I, I've yet to convince enough people to call it a career, but <laughs> uh, uh, there you have it.
1: There yeah. you have it, yeah. Um, when did you first have your poetry published?
0: I had a poem. Well, actually, that the poem I wrote uh, uh, just read about the aurora borealis was published by that friend Richard McLean and he was mm-hmm. uh, in the creative writing uh, masters, the MFA program up in Western Washington, mm-hmm. and he um, he was the editor of their um, magazine of uh, student and faculty writing called Jeopardy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> he published my first two or three poems, I think.
1: Uh-huh. And you were how old then?
0: I was 21, maybe. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. And uh, again, a similar question to my follow-up question a few moments ago, did you then think, well, this is it? This is the beginning? I'm getting published now, and this is going to be real?
0: Yeah, and I went. I I, I worked for... Two years after I finished my undergraduate, I worked for um, an order in the south of Puget Sound. Um, and in fact, the poem that I, I wrote that, that won the Northwest Poets Concord was set out um, on the Tide Flats in, in the south part of Puget Sound,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, digging on the night tide. Um, so I did menial <laughs> outdoor work for mm-hmm. several years. And then I uh, was accepted in the uh, master's program in creative writing at the University of Washington. Um, many of the people that I affiliate with are no longer um, at the University of Washington. Uh, in the case of Bill Matthews, William Matthews, he passed on some years mm-hmm. ago, and Stanley Plumley was there as a writer and resident for a while, and mm-hmm. he's been back east in Maryland right. or somewhere for a long time. On
1: the other uh, side of the continent. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, So... Um, I did have some formal, I guess, training uh-huh. such as it was.
1: But you started even before that.
0: Yeah, and I wrote, yeah. uh, I have an unpublished novel that I spent probably eight years on. That's uh-huh. 600 pages in manuscript that someday, now that I've finished raising children and whatnot, I may go back and see if there's uh-huh. any life in it still. Well, it may be
1: a different life from what you thought was in there. Exactly, yeah. Just like you're different. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, What would you say you get from writing poetry? What happens to and for you when you do that thing, the writing of poetry? (sighs) Either during or after. Oh, I'm trying
0: to think. Is I, did, <laughs> didn't, was wasn't Auden the one who said, "How do I know what I think till I see what I've said?"
1: I don't know if it was Auden, but I or sure know that. Like something like that. <laughs> yeah, I can't know what I think until um, I, yeah, yeah.
0: So, most poetry, by definition, is primary experience; It's secondary experience. So it's it's not about cognition so much as it is. Reaching a place of new recognition, uh-huh. or uh, of of seeing something uh-huh. again uh, for uh-huh. the first time.
1: So you get uh, the aha, exactly. Uh huh, uh huh. After comes after. aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. And when you think, how should I put this? Less lyrically about it. Um. I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at my notes, folks, of all the questions that I ask the guests on my show. And um when you look at it instead of right into it, um and you say to yourself something like, I do this, I do this work, um, what about that? You know, because I'm asking that really when I do ask it of folks on the show, because you know, poetry has this bizarre reputation as esoterica as something abstruse and yet when people have funerals and weddings and giant national experiences it's all about poetry it's a strange contradiction so
0: well i think that's probably limited more so in um in the united states than many other places I completely you know, agree you go to some place in Latin America where they you know have been known to kill or torture or lock up their best poets
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh,
1: because they see poetry that's as right. that important and dangerous
0: they, um, they can still uh fill um football stadiums and major auditoriums with poetry
1: yeah, it's true the u s a is singular. Um, but and that's where we are. It
0: makes me wonder how much our poetry translates overseas. Huh. You know, in this great plurality that we have, mm-hmm. um, where language belongs to everyone and no one. Mm. Um, I wonder... That's an interesting what, ...what gets conveyed out and beyond the... Yeah. Uh, ...the borders.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know either. <laughs> um, okay, going in a different direction... Um, When you, um, as they say, sit down to write or stand up to write, as the case may be, like Virginia Woolf with that tall table, um, do you have a ritual, a habit, some kind of part of your practice that you do when you settle into, okay, now I'm doing this? Some do, some don't. I'm interested in those, you know.
0: Um, It it changes all the time. I I do a lot of... um, Uh, working from prompts uh, in the last few years I have Mm -hmm. a very active group of uh, writers and we meet uh, twice a month uh, for what we call breakfast poets Mm -hmm. and there's a bunch of sort of random exercises we have a random word basket that we draw from Um, there's stacks of postcards Mm -hmm. that people pick randomly and uh, that happens or uh, somebody will read a a fine poem that they've seen recently online or from a book they're reading Mm -hmm. and that becomes the prompt it's
1: the prompt yeah
0: Um, so in the course of about two hours or three hours we do these six minute writing exercises and then by the time you get to the end of the year you've got a stack of stuff and it may not you know maybe there's only one line that you salvage or maybe you've got something that is almost right Mm -hmm. but you change the stanza order or something like that. Uh, and the great thing about that um, experience is that it forces you off of your own biograph.
1: Oh, nicely put, um, yeah. You
0: know, kind of the way uh, John Ashbury said that he, uh, he wrote Sestinas for a while because it was kind of like, being on a tricycle going down a hill and having the <laughs> pedals force your feet.
1: Yeah, they just keep um, going around. You have ways, to keep up with yeah, them. Yeah,
0: that, that are not of your choosing or not entirely in your control. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so um, that's been really fruitful. And so I, by the end of the year, then I, then I start putting those handwritten things on um, the computer, and then I, I've got stuff that, grist that I can go back into yeah. Um, sometimes for years afterwards, yeah, um that's one of the things I do mm-hmm. and then oh, I don't have a dog right now, but it used to be that you know poems would start when I was out walking the dog in the hills outside um uh Springfield, mm-hmm. Oregon, where I live, out in the b l m uh country, mm. and um I may finish if if you You'll allow me with a, a poem that alludes to one of those those walks. I don't know where we are as far as time.
1: Well, if do you have it readily yeah, available? Yeah, read it. Read it now. Yeah, Go right yeah. ahead.
0: And it's uh, it's topical. It's uh, it's called November Road, and it begins with an epigraph from William Blake: "November Road." Mutual forgiveness of vice Opens the gates of paradise William Blake Shuffle through leaves as yellow as picnic plates For one perfect big leaf While the black Labrador heaves his tattered frisbee Again, again Yellow foot lamps From summer gravel pressed into tar by Herculean machine, defiant fungi sprout small strawberry domes in drizzle. Skeletons of butchered deer soften beside the federal lane, tagged and hunted elsewhere. You can collar, reef the snorting dog back. Practice rounds, practice. Rainbows of spent shotgun shells and brass cartridges collage the road spur above. Carry the antipathy away in a sky blue bag.
1: Uh, all right, that was a good idea, putting that poem in there. Thank you very much. Um. I'm thinking a lot about your imagery, but I want to ask... But I'm going to ask these questions anyway. Yeah. Um, Do you think of poetry as nonfiction and or autobiography? A lot of people think that it always is.
0: Uh, There are poems of mine that have nothing to do with my biography. Uh Um, And... um, and there are other poems that do in fact and and even when we we think we're trying to be faithful <laughs> memory is a is a is a funny and fabulous thing one of the poems that gets the most attention in wish meal um i intentionally wrote in extraordinarily flat tones and language because um it uh, re- it recounts a, a an afternoon that my younger and brother and I were in our bathroom and my mother had had a miscarriage earlier that day and she decided that it was a ripe opportunity to give us a little lesson in uh, human reproduction and
1: she was a heavy hitter
0: oh yeah well, i don't know. people say that, that those were hormones or you know who knows but uh the 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 poem is called another and it's in Wishmeal. and i've probably had more people um ask me about that poem after uh, having read the book mm-hmm. did that really happen <laughs> uh, so i checked with my two brothers and my uh my younger brother um confirmed that he was there too uh-huh. it really happened it really and, happened and that uh little self that would have been another brother or sister mm. did fit neatly within the the mayonnaise jar lid uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh.
0: and uh i well that i'm talking about it, it uh, at more than 60 years of age you know it's uh it's impressionistic
1: Oh, yes, it's an extraordinary uh, childhood experience. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, this is somewhat related, um, but it's less, well, take it any way you want to go. Do you ever do what most folks would call research? for your poems as opposed to research uh by asking your brother or plumbing your own memory but you know research oh. library action or yeah. online oh, yeah, stuff yeah
0: yeah uh, the poem that i re- oh. wrote that um, references um, um Kirkuk and and lib and and uh mm mm-hmm. mhm um, those are you know towns that i have obviously not been in right um and uh I did check to see if Duff was okay for uh, re- referencing uh, soil in the uh, in the Midwest, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, yeah, not a research as a generative thing, but more as a fact-checking thing to make mm-hmm. sure that you're not mm-hmm. totally off. Like you don't think that the the northern lights don't exist during the summer. It's just be, you know, in the land of uh, the midnight sun, they're not visible. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because the sun is out at midnight. So,
0: yeah, Yeah. fact-checking more Uh um, or a way of sort of enriching whatever the initial impulse was, Uh uh, but not, I wouldn't say it's a generative thing. It's not the spark. No.
1: No. Um, You uh, mentioned when you were talking um, a few moments ago about the poem about the miscarriage um, that readers have a certain kind of response one of my questions that I like to ask folks on the show is do you hear from your readers um, do people write to you or come up to you after a reading and um, talk to you and what's your what's your attitude, what's your thinking, what's your feeling about that kind of experience if indeed that has happened it sounds like it has
0: yeah um. I always like to talk about poems, especially mm-hmm. ones that that have have raised somebody's attention enough that they're memorable, or they're mm-hmm. confused, or mm-hmm. um, or they want to push back a little bit. You know? <laughs> um, I remember talking um, with a, another poet from Eugene, um, who is somewhat of a mentor, uh, Eric Muller, and uh, he talked about. Um, the resistance points in in poems, and how that um, that those things are always crucial, but not necessarily bad. Uh-huh. That that raise that resistance is uh, about heat, and it's about uh, potential energy, and um, not necessarily everything has to be. Uh, Immediately transparent.
1: Or accepted.
0: Or accepted. Yeah. Yeah. So um okay. Pushback is good. Yeah. Questions of additional detail? Uh-huh. Uh I, I write a fair number of um poems that have to do with rivers and fishing. Um not because I'm an especially good fisherman, but uh because I spend a lot of time at it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, and standing in the river is a a good thing to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a fisher, but I have known for years and years and years that that is a meditative experience and a source for artists of all kinds, not just poets. So,
0: So, yeah, yeah I was at a gathering last night. Um, it was a, a benefit for a uh, playa, which is an artist residency um, location um, over in central Oregon uh, right on the edge of the Great Basin Mm -hmm. and uh, a gentleman who was at my table at the very end he would actually been talking with my wife uh, for some time and I was sort of listening in Um, at the very end I found out that he had taught English in the high schools um, in Eugene for many years and then also in the Education school at at Pacific, and I said, "Oh," um, and I, I asked him if he knew one of the, my fishing buddies from over in Central Oregon. He said, "Oh, Daryl, he's one of my best friends." <laughs> 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 so, fishing and and poetry, I guess, was a, a bridge uh-huh. there across um, for two people that had no idea that they'd have that uh-huh. kind of uh, adjacency, right. Yeah, connection, um,
1: connection, bridging. Um, all right. Um, do you think of your work as um, undergoing metamorphosis? Would you say that it has changed over the years? Um, and if if yeah, if no, then we'll move on to another question. But if yes, um, in what ways? What kinds of changes come to mind?
0: I have always been able to write. <laughs> things that have a density about them um, in terms of um, image and in terms of image stacking on another image and I think I intentionally uh, work away from that somewhat now Hmm. so I work on poems that are uh, smaller by definition Mm -hmm. and subtler and and maybe work away from um, my own uh, inclinations uh, in terms of diction, in terms of lexicon, uh, uh, things that I want to be readily available. Uh So if you get my book... Wish meal. Yes, everyone should. And folks, should. yes,
1: you you want to um, get this book.
0: <laughs> if you don't read a lot of poetry, then one of the things you ought to do is just thumb through and find the shortest poems. <laughs> because the poet himself cases, is
1: recommending yeah, this. In many
0: cases, they're uh, poems that are uh, pretty um, readily available, accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So I, uh, th- that's an intentional thing. And I try and vary, at least with this book, I try to vary the, you know, if I if there's a long poem, I oh, try sure. to follow it with a, a shorter one that's, sure. a, that's a quickie, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that with light and dark, uh, too, I think. Um, a lot of the stuff that I'm currently working on... Um, since my book Wishmail came out, um, have coincided with some grave concerns that I have about us as a, a nation uh-huh. and as a community and uh, as a an ecology in which humans are only one small but very um, impactful mm. uh, part. So by 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 those terms, a lot of it is probably darker than I'd prefer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, one of the working titles for the collection that I'm have right now is called Failed States. Mm. Um, so,
1: she sighs into the microphone. Right. Yeah. So, yes. so,
0: I, so I have to have some fishing poems in there <laughs> and some bird watching poems to give us all a break. And, yeah
1: okay give me give give the poet a break break. (laughs) yes absolutely um well actually you've mentioned your group and you've spoken about the united states in relation to or contrasted with others uh, other nations land masses um so i'm going to ask this question anyway see if it evokes anything else um sparks anything if not we'll move on do you think of (coughs) excuse me folks do you think of yourself as being part of a poetry community locally nationally globally and what would that if yes what would that mean for you personally
0: Eugene is blessed with an awful lot of really quite inspired competent poets yeah um, Not a lot of good words in your gene. Uh, I've been lucky enough to have a number of them come to my uh, my backyard the last two summers, and we do a thing where uh, we eat a lot of good food <laughs> that we all contribute to and, and occasionally drink some, some wine. And uh, then we sit around and we read uh, often. Uh, around a topic that I've um, announced ahead of time. So sometimes it's uh, somebody else's poem from another continent Mm -hmm. or it's a poem by somebody of uh, a gender different from oneself. Um, Or I think this last year I asked that people um, bring poems by poets from... um, Iran, China mm. or Honduras um, because those were three places that were getting a lot of mm-hmm. resistance from our own uh, administration right and a lot of sort of accusatory things and I and you you don't learn about, another culture on the six o'clock news you'll learn about a culture by reading their poets by eating their food by being moved by their um musicians hmm. um, oh, and like that's been that. a, that's been a wonderful yeah. thing and um, i guess to, to circle back to the question you asked <laughs> um i've been in an, a part of that um community of other writers um in Eugene for a long time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you think like you'll never get noticed because there I mean there are people that do in fact get their poems in, in the New Yorker. I I can't say that I have yet, but mm-hmm. um in the end I find myself looking around that circle every summer and more than anything else, how lucky I am to be blessed with such sensitive committed friends that that's that's the real payback
1: people who want to hang out and do poetry together there you go doesn't get much better than that as they (laughs) say okay we have just a couple more minutes and i like to ask these questions of my guests one. None of which
0: I've heard or seen in <laughs> advance.
1: <laughs> no, no, we don't do that. Um, of course, if you listen to all of the shows you know online, you'd find some of these. But anyway, what are you working on now? You've mentioned, you've alluded to a little. And what are you reading now? We've got about a minute left.
0: So. Um, I've been reading a lot of uh fiction just recently because as a part of early press i've been reading an awful lot of poetry for uh, um, part of the two national uh, contests that we've Mm -hmm. now had the last two years so um, i've taken advantage of that those processes being over and i've been reading some novels so i've Mm -hmm. read a couple novels that are set in in africa Uh, i read um, cutting for stone by Abraham Bergese I think his name is came out maybe six years ago mm-hmm. um, I read uh, All the Light We Cannot See mm-hmm. as a guy who loves hawks I read H's for Hawk um, that's nonfiction
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm reading a, a collection of, of poems called Westerns or Western by Richard Dancliffe, a hmm. uh, poet from Corvallis uh, who passed away oh, probably 10-15 years ago. Hmm. Um, so I'm reading that and I'm now reading uh, Caging the Robin uh, which is uh, the most recent book I have by Tom Crawford.
1: Uh, the one that when, you when read to us from. Um, um, all right earlier so that's the reading list folks we're going to close with that those are your assignments and because we're online you can't miss the opportunity to go back and if you didn't write it down you can hear it again thank you so much for being with us this evening sir Um, next month's poetry and everything will first air on december 24th and after that
0: that's my birthday
1: Yes? Okay. We're going to celebrate Tim's birthday. Um, (laughs) After that, it'll be on the net all the time. Thank you for listening. And remember, support your local independent bookstores, your independent reading series, and independent radio. Good night.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah Keibu is excited to be part oh, yeah. of the 2018 Willamette Week Give Guide This year, Willamette Week and KABU are challenging our community to give with yeah. their dollars and take action by showing up in real life KBU has been showing up for over 50 years oh, yeah. Give to KBOO today and you yeah. get full access to the Chinook Book app, plus freebies from Laughing Planet, Gluten-Free Gem, Wee Press, and Nosa Familia Coffee. You can contribute right now at kboo.fm slash give or call 503-231-8032. Support KBOO where music makes the movement. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. KBOO Community Radio is proud to co-sponsor the Clinton Street Resistance series at the Clinton Street Theatre in Portland. Monday, December the 3rd at 7pm will be Dune, playing as a benefit for Impact Northwest. Dune is a 1984 American epic science fiction film written and directed by David Lynch and is the controversial adaptation of Frank Herbert's cult science fiction novel. Again, that's Dune, playing Monday, December 3rd, at Clinton Street Theatre, 2522 Southeast Clinton Street in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right-hand side of the homepage under Community Events. This is KBOO Portland.
0: You're listening to KBOO Portland. Stay tuned for the Holy Crowley Hour. Welcome to the special Cyber Monday edition of the Holy Crowley Hour. And since it's Cyber Monday, we're only charging you for the first 30 minutes. Such a deal. For those of